Hello, and welcome to Literary Devices, a book club for your earbuds. I'm your host, Jessica Miguel Cooper, and today we are going to be talking about All the Bright Places by Jennifer Niven. So, just a trigger warning, I unintentionally started a bit of a theme here. Um, So this book does deal very specifically with suicide and some mental health issues. So if that's not something that you are interested in hearing about right now or something that you are not in a good place to hear about right now, feel free to skip this one and come back next time. I will not be offended. So here we go. We're going to start with our summary, go into a quote, have a bit of a discussion, and then I'll let you know what our next book is going to be. So the summary, Theodore Finch and Violet Markey are just two teenagers. One is a popular girl who suffered horrible tragedy when she walked away from a car accident that killed her older sister, Eleanor. And the other is a boy who everyone calls Freak, who suffers from some sort of mental illness that causes him to go to sleep, as he terms it. Periods that seem like deep, debilitating episodes of depression. Their paths seldom cross until they do, on the ledge of the school bell tower where they are both contemplating jumping. Finch talks Violet down and thus begins their unlikely relationship, which will ultimately end in beautiful freedom and more terrible tragedy. So the quote, I know life well enough to know you can't count on things staying around or standing still, no matter how much you want them to. You can't stop people from dying. You can't stop them from going away. You can't stop yourself from going away either. I know myself well enough to know that no one else can keep you awake or keep you from sleeping. So that's a quote from um, Finch. So this book was pretty frustrating to read. Um, there, the first half of it, I would give, I don't know, two and a half stars. It was just so narratively wishy-washy, I guess. Like, I didn't understand what the conflict was. I didn't understand the point, per se. Like, I get that there was this need to establish Violet and Finch's relationship and we needed to see them fall in love and whatever, that's fine. But I felt like it went on for far too long without any, like, real point. Um, They start working on a project together for their U.S. geography class where they have to go to a bunch of, like, interesting places in Indiana where they live. Um, which is like fun and cute and whatever. But again, it goes on for a very long time. Um, So the first half of the book was pretty frustrating for me. And it took me maybe a month to get through it, um, which is unusual for me. Um, And then the second half of the book, I would say it goes between like three and a half and five stars even at certain points. Um, The second half of the book is when we start to really see um, Finch's mental health issues really coming into play. Um, their relationship gets deeper and it also gets more complicated. Um, and then ultimately as Violet starts to do things like get into a car again, which she wasn't sure that she would ever do after her sister died in the car accident. Um, Finch eventually disappears, goes off on his own, um, and ultimately ends up killing himself. Um, and then Violet has to go 
go on on her own, once again, having suffered a horrible tragedy, um, the death of someone very close to her. Um, so the second half is much more potent, much more interesting. There's much more conflict. It's also much more difficult. Um, this is really where the issues of suicide and mental health really come into the foreground. Although Finch himself is um, pretty obsessed with suicide and often will journal about different methods of dying or how other people have killed themselves. And so there's definitely some of that in the first part of the book as well, which can be pretty triggering um, if you deal with any of those issues yourself. Um, anyways, so in terms of character, uh, Finch is a big character. He is very complicated. He is one of those I know that some people have issues with young adult books for being melodramatic and the characters are just so quirky and contrived. And I can understand some of those issues, um, especially when it comes to characters like Finch, maybe, who like goes through these phases where, you know, one day he's like British punk Finch and then a week later he's like cool Jack finch or whatever like he just goes through these phases of trying on different identities and whatnot but at the same time i also feel like if you remember what it was like to be a teenager or if you are a teenager yourself right now you know that it is a time of heightened emotion and heightened experience everything you're experiencing is new and different and there's a lot happening and i think that young adult books have a big job in trying to capture that in a way that is realistic. And I do think that most of them do a fairly good job, although there are certainly ones that uh, are not good. <laughs> but anyways, so Finch is a big character. Finch is complicated. Finch has family issues. His father is an abusive dick. And his mother is just like completely checked out, which we will talk about later. Um, but Violet... So, I'm sorry, but for most of the book, I was like, is Violet actually a person? Like, what does she care about? What is she interested in? Like, what, what is her thing? Like, my sister died isn't a personality. Um, and, like, I get that for some people, being in a period of grief sort of erases a lot of, like, things that you cared about. Um, ways that you experience emotion and whatnot, and that's fine. But I just, I didn't feel like there were any hooks that I could like hold on to to really like nail Violet down as a person. She just didn't, she just didn't feel like a person. She just kind of felt like a cardboard cutout who was there to have this relationship with Finch. And lots of times I just, I couldn't understand what Finch saw in her because I was like, she's not doing anything. She's not saying anything. She's just kind of nothing. Um, I did, however, connect with her struggle over writing. Um, as a writer myself who has gone through an extended period of being unable to find the creative spark, I guess, um, I really, really latched onto that 
as something that I could understand. Um, I just wish there had been a little bit more of it since it kind of seemed like she just went from, oh, I don't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I will never write to, oh, wait, yes, I do. I found it and it's fine. And that whole thing is over. Um, but anyways, so it isn't until the end of the book that Violet actually begins to assert any kind of character. Um, once Finch has died, um, she ends up telling her parents that like they need to talk about Eleanor. They need to acknowledge that Eleanor existed and that now she's gone and that that hurts, but that they still love her and miss her and all those kinds of things because there's just been silence around her for this whole time. Um, she also tells them about Finch's mental health issues, even though she isn't sure she should. And even though I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think he asked her not to, um, you know, she, she feels a lot of guilt over Finch's death. She thinks that she should have known she should have seen it coming. She should have done something to stop him. Um, you know, she starts facing her fears uh, in things like driving in order to finish off their project around Indiana because she figures out that he had sent her some cryptic text messages uh, really shortly before he died. Um, and she figures out that he was sending them from the last places that they were planning on going for their project. So she ends up going to those places herself and finding certain things that he had left behind. And so in doing this, she holds on to some pieces of him, some memories. Um, she gets to feel closer to him for a little while while also branching out and facing some of her fears. Um, and I thought that this part, so the part, there's a few chapters, two or three maybe, where she's going to these last few places. And I honestly thought that it was the very best part of the book. Um, it was super impactful, super well done. I kept feeling like she was going to run into Finch at any moment. And it would just be like, oh, see, he's not actually dead. It was all a horrible misunderstanding and everything is fine. And I think that that's how she was feeling too. She was just desperately hoping that by following in his footsteps, she would find him again. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really powerful and really emotional and it's, um, the part where I came the closest to bawling my face off, um, which I usually do <laughs> in these kinds of books. Um, but yeah, so they do talk. Finch never specifically ends up with any kind of actual diagnosis in terms of his mental health issues. Um, Mr. Embry, his counselor, does introduce the idea of Finch potentially being bipolar, which does fit a lot of his behaviors, I guess. But Finch never accepts it. It's never specifically explored. It's kind of simply introduced as a possible framework for understanding Finch and his actions. Um, but Finch himself very specifically rejects labels and he says something along the lines of I am not a compilation of symptoms I am a person um which as a person who struggles with 
depression and anxiety. I can partially understand that. Um, but yeah, one of one of the one of the most frustrating things about this book was the failure of Finch's parents. They don't see him for who he is. They don't see not only do they not see his struggles, but they don't see his strengths either. Um, his father, as I've mentioned previously, is very abusive. Um, his mother is just completely checked out. Finch gets expelled and his mother doesn't even know. Like, I, How does he even manage that? How, how does he manage to get expelled and not have his parents be informed? Like, there is some indication throughout the book that he has a, a habit of deleting messages from the the home answering machine. And like that his mom doesn't really check it. It's more his older sister who does. And if their mom needs to know something, she will tell her. But still, I just I'm not sure how he manages to pull the wool over his mother's eyes on that one. Like she's she's that just completely unaware of what is going on in her son's life and then this I think is the absolute most egregious sin that Mrs. Finch commits which is at the end when they are concerned that Finch has hurt himself because he has sent these cryptic emails to all of the important people in his life um Violet determines that she thinks she knows where he is, potentially at um, the Blue Hole, which is a place where they went swimming together. Um, And Mrs. Finch asks Violet to go, saying that she just can't handle it herself. So basically, she makes Violet, a child, find her dead son, whom she failed to even look for for a month because that's just what Finch does he comes and goes so not only did her son disappear and contact her once a week just saying he was fine and not only did she not do anything to find him but when the time came for real very imminent concern instead of taking responsibility and going herself she puts violet through more trauma and sends violet to the place where they literally pull up his body in front of her and i just was so incredibly furious at this grown woman for doing that to a child and it just highlights how irresponsible and terrible this woman was like I understand that you know her her ex-husband was abusive and now she's a single mother of three children and whatever okay fine that's trauma and I get that but that's no excuse for heaping trauma onto somebody else it was just so enraging Anyways, um, there's also a whole 
idea about the difference between how people react when someone dies by suicide and how they react when someone dies in an accident. Um, so the two deaths that really bookmark this story or bookend this story rather um, are Eleanor's and Finch's. So Eleanor dies in a car accident. Um, her and Violet were coming home from a party and they went over a bridge and she lost control of the car and they went off the bridge and she died and Violet didn't. Um, and then of course at the end, Finch kills himself. Um, one of the things that Violet says is that people rarely bring flowers to a suicide. Um, and there's this whole idea that suicide is selfish and suicide is a choice. And I think people need to do a little bit more work understanding that when a person is in that dark place, suicide doesn't seem like a choice. It seems like the only course of action. Um, suicide isn't a choice. It's a symptom of a disease. And I think that talking more openly about suicide, talking more openly about suicidal ideation and what it is actually like will go a long way in destigmatizing um, suicide and suicidal thoughts, which will go a long way in helping people cope with those things more successfully. Um, like Finch's parents insist that his death was an accident, even though it's pretty obvious to the readers, to Violet, probably to his parents, that it was not an accident. Um, and that it was uh, purposeful, um, but they insist that it was an accident, uh, maybe to save face, I don't know, or maybe for their own reasons of perhaps needing comfort from other people and subconsciously knowing that perhaps they wouldn't get that if their son's death was labeled a suicide. I'm not sure. Um, it's a complicated thing. Um, and I will leave that to your interpretation. Um, there's also a lot about Violet's guilt about not being able to save Finch. Um, Mr. Embry uh, talks about survivors of suicide and survivors' guilt and how they maybe could have done more for Finch, but that ultimately they did what they could and that maybe nothing could have stopped him and maybe nothing could have I don't know again it's it's pretty complicated and thorny um but the last again the last half of the book is where all of these issues really are explored and opened up and it is where things get juicy and um meaty and where you know there's really stuff to to dig into and think really deeply about and so 
overall, I would say that the book, I gave the book four stars on Goodreads. But yeah, it's so it's so strange because it does range from probably two and a half stars to five stars. It was just all over the place. Um, But yeah, I do recommend it even just for the the kind of unflinching look at um, suicide and mental health. Um, There is one thing like the language around suicide is uh, also needs to change. I think like Violet writes a letter to Finch and it calls it letter to a person who committed suicide. And I, I flinched immediately because committed is a holdover from the criminalization of suicide. And it really helps to maintain stigmatization around suicide. Um, so that there, there really needs to be a shift um, towards saying died by suicide instead of committed suicide. But that's a, a small thing. Um, so yeah, that is all the bright places. Um, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to chew on. Um, there's a lot of good, a lot of bad. I really want to know what you guys think if you have read the book. Um, so please send me an email with your thoughts at literarydevicespodcast at gmail.com. Um, and I really look forward to reading your thoughts. And so next time we're going to have a bit of a change of pace and we're going to be talking about Bringing Up Bebe by Pamela Druckerman which is a memoir about raising um, a child in Paris when you are not French. So yeah, really looking forward to reading that. It's been on my shelf for um, two and a half years. Haven't read it yet. So that will be fun. And uh, until next time, keep your nose in a book. 